Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Thanks for having me this Sunday. What a privilege it is to be here and uh, preach the word of the Lord, word of God to you uh, all. I want to thank uh, all the staff for uh, inviting me, uh, all the pastors, uh, Patrick, and, and uh, um, I'm, I have some connections with some of your staff that came at our church and uh, helped us through the years. And I want to celebrate, especially Pastor Kevin, this morning, uh, because um, I, I, I discovered a, a really humble man. And uh, the one, number one character that attracts me in a man of God is humility. And I think that's what you have. Your pastor is a humble man, and I don't care if you can fly or anything if you're not humble. And um, I want to celebrate him this morning. You are blessed uh, to have this man as your pastor. And when we are close to greatness, we get used to it. And we tend to forget how great uh, the great people in our lives are really. If you have a great wife, it's easy to forget that she's that great. And when you have a great pastor, so I saw some wives looking at their husband right now. <laughs> There's a lady there, she did that. <laughs> Just love it, sister. Thank you for this moment. Uh, but I want to celebrate your pastor this morning. Can we clap for your pastor, Kevin? Come on. Uh, I want you to give me a little favor also. I want you to clap for you, church, because uh, in the last years, uh, you supported us many ways. And uh, with your help, uh, we were able to plant churches in Montreal and to bring uh, the kingdom of God there. In the last few years, we baptized, with your support, we baptized eight people. Now, this may not be big for Dallas, but I'm telling you, for Montreal, this is something. So uh, in our church, we're French, okay? We, we, we do everything in French, and French, we tend to be a bit warm and a bit excited. So I want you to be French for 10 seconds with me and uh, clap for you guys for your, your generosity and support. Can you do that for yourself? Come on. Come on, church. All right, all right, all right. Um, I apologize for my accent, okay. Uh, I'm French, so English is second language for me. I preach in English maybe one or two times per year. And I thought this morning, okay, maybe I should preach in French and pray for the gift of interpretation for everybody. <laughs> And we would have a great time, but I decided that I will go with, with English uh, this morning. Uh, let me introduce you to my family. Uh, this is my, my, my crew, uh, my wonderful wife, Karine. She's there. We're married for 25 years. Can you believe that? We got married at five years old. Uh, and uh, here are my boys. The oldest, Anthony, is 19. Zach is 17. We have Leah at the front. She's 15, and the little Naya back there, she is 
13, I'm a blessed man. And uh, I want to talk today about prayer. Because I think prayer is the thing that fuels everything. Uh, prayer is the fuel for missions. Without sustainable prayer life, missions tend to die. Uh, it's easy to be a Christian, but it's not easy to be a real Christian in the mission Jesus gave us to make disciples of all nations on the surface of the earth. So prayer is important, and I want to revive you in prayer this morning. And I know your pastor loves prayer, just to hear the way he prays. He pray. he's a man of prayer. And I want you all to be challenged today to pray again impossible prayers. That's my topic, impossible prayers. Let me ask you this. What kind of prayer do you pray? Do you pray small? Do you pray safe? Do you pray things that are going to happen anyway? You know, sometimes we tend to protect God's reputation with our prayer. He don't need that, okay? He don't have a self-esteem problem. <laughs> so we tend to pray small. Like, please God, give us a safe trip. You know, that's not a hard one for God. Okay, buckle up, drive slowly, and it's going to happen. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, man, is God is hearing us pray, and he's like, that's it? <laughs> that's all you got for me? I'm God. You know, pray, ask me, test me. Pray for big things. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for small things. Because God is a good dad. He wants to be involved in all the small things of our lives. But we are also called to pray for big things. To ask for impossible things. But some people will say, why ask God things if God knows already everything? I don't understand all the mystery of prayer, but here, here's what I know. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us how to pray, and he said this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So think about it. In heaven, everything that happens is the will of God. But here on earth... God is looking for partners. God is looking for people that will pray according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because everything God does, everything, he does it through people. Except the work of the creation Everything else, he does it through people. Even the work of the redemption, he did it through a man. Jesus Christ, the man. So that's maybe why the apostle James said, you do not have because you do not ask. Because in God's economy, things are not just happening. We tend to think, oh, okay, God is sovereign, and if God wants something to happen, it will happen no matter what. There's a, there's a nuance to say on this. It will happen for sure one day, but God is waiting on his people. 
God is waiting for partners to pray according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to pray possible prayer, we need to pray with faith. But what is faith? What is praying by faith? I want to give you three principles this morning to pray impossible prayer. And the first one is in Acts chapter 4. But before we read the text, let me give you a bit of context. In Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John, the apostles, are going to the temple and there is a lame beggar at the gate. And he wanted money from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give it to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And the guy was healed but the religious leaders got upset so they arrested Peter and John and they warned them to speak no longer to anyone in Jesus name and they let them go so Peter and John went back to the church and they told the church how the religious leader threatened them and in response to that they called a prayer meeting you know why they did that because prayer was their first response Prayer was a reflex to them. It was natural to them. And we have the record of this prayer meeting, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nation rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great Boldness, stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is big prayer. This is big, bold, impossible prayer. Three principles to pray impossible prayer. And the first one is in that text. And is it this? Pray with scriptures. In their prayer, what they did, they quote the Psalms. They were referring to scriptures. Let me tell you this. When you pray with scriptures, when you pray based upon scriptures, it gives you confidence and boldness in your prayers. In Daniel chapter 9, the prophet Daniel find out in scriptures that the exile in Babylon was prophesied to be 70 years long. And this time was over, but Israel was still in captivity. Why? Because God was waiting for a partner. God was waiting for somebody to pray according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Daniel began to pray for three weeks so that the will of God would do, be do on earth. In Romans chapter 10, it says what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So praying with scriptures increase my faith and give me boldness. Don't, don't, don't just pray random prayers. Thank God for random prayers. We need those. It's spontaneous. It's great. It's, it's fantastic. But we need also to pray with scriptures. I remember when I was a youth pastor, 
uh, I did my first ministry trip to the U.S. And I was really young, and I never booked a hotel room before. I'm sorry, I will say hotel, but in, in French, we, the, the H is silent, so I say hotel, but it's hotel. We, I had booked a hotel room, and, um, <laughs> and, 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 and I didn't know how it worked. So I arrived at the front desk. It was in Cincinnati, and I, I say, I'm David. I have booked a room. And she said, sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. But I said, madam. I paid for this. I paid it with my credit card. She said, I'm sorry, sir. I have no evidence of that. And I learned the lesson painfully. Because, you know, that day she asked, do you, sir, have a confirmation number? And I was young and stupid. So I said, what, what, what is a confirmation number? And I learned that day that a confirmation number is a number that confirms your reservation. And the lesson was painful because I had to pay for my room a second time. Now, fast forward a couple years later, I'm in Quebec City for a family vacation, and I had booked a hotel room. And at the front desk, the lady said, Sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. But this time I said, Oh, no. <laughs> I have. A confirmation number <laughs> that confirms that somewhere in this hotel, <laughs> there is a room for me. Even if I don't see it, even if I never went in it, I have the evidence, the confidence, the assurance, the faith that in this hotel, there is a room for the Potier family. Can I get a witness this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. But why I was so bold? I was bold because I had a confirmation number. You know what, friends? We, we have a confirmation number. The Word of God is our confirmation number. Every promises of God are true and amen. This is our confirmation number. So pray with scriptures. Don't just pray random prayers. Pray the promises of God. And it will give you confidence and perseverance to pray for impossible things. And when you have any situation, maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage next month. You can pray Philippians 4, my God will need all my needs according to the riches of his glory. This is a promise to me and I will pray that. Maybe you're afflicted, you're in pain right now. You can pray uh, 2 Corinthians 1, praise be to God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. All who comforts us in all our affliction. If you're depressed, you can pray Psalm 42 and 43. Why are you cast down my soul and why are you disturbed in me? Hope in God. Hope in the Lord. Pray with scriptures and it will give you so much confidence. But you know what the enemy will try to do? In those, those days, he will try to convince you that what is written in that book is not true. And he will place strategically, strategically, people around you that will slip from that book. That will say, I, I, 
I, I, I don't think I'm believing that anymore. Or I believe it, but let, let's cut some part of the book. In our culture, there's so much pressure up there to just take a cutter and cut some verses in the word because there's so much things that are not acceptable for culture. But the moment you do that, your whole faith is going to fall apart. Trust the Lord. Trust his word. I said, I will not remove a single word in this book. And you know what I said? I said, I will remove some words from the dictionary. So I took the dictionary and I looked at the word impossible and I cut it from this true story. If you come, my dictionary don't have the word impossible in it. And I didn't notice that, but in French, the word, is, the word taxes is impôt, okay? And when I remove impossible from the dictionary, at the same moment at the back, I remove the word taxes from the dictionary. So I was like, Jesus, you're talking to me. This is fantastic. Don't touch the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. Trust the Word of God. Can I hear amen this morning, church? Can we clap for the Word of the Lord? Come on. Clap for the Word this morning. Come on. You can do that. Pray with scriptures. Secondly, pray with perseverance. One day, Jesus' disciples tried to cast an evil spirit out of, out of a, a young person, and they couldn't. So his disciples went back to Jesus and asked him why. Why we cannot? And look what Jesus said, Matthew 17. He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. When the Bible, when the gospel speak about mustard seed and faith, usually we think about smallness, and it's true, okay? But there is another reason why Jesus used that metaphor. Listen to what Pliny the Elder, a Roman naturalist of the first century, wrote about mustard. Mustard, he said, when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it, as the seed, when it falls, germinate at once. Did you get that? Mustard is a persistent seed. Mustard is a perseverant seed. And when you seed mustard in your garden, you need to take care because it will outgrow everything else. In other words, friends, the mustard never give up. <laughs> Where are the mustard people this morning? Where are the mustard seed people this morning that say, I'm going to trust you, God. I am going to pray until something happens. You know, when we stop praying, we, we tend to think that we have a discipline problem. But let me tell you, when we stop praying, it is not primarily a discipline problem. It could be. But it is primarily 
a faith problem. In Luke 18, Jesus told a parable. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. And he told it for the purpose of uh, teach us to persevere in prayer. It's clear in, clear in the text. Now, at the end of the story, Jesus ends the story in a weird, weird way. Look what he said in verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And if you, if you pay attention, you're, okay, it's a story about prayer. It's a story about persevere in prayer. And he closed the story and talking about faith. Why? Because when we lose faith, we stop praying. You know, when we don't pray, it's a symptom of unbelief. It's a symptom that we don't believe anymore. But we are called to go back to prayer. We are called to pray impossible prayer and to pray until something happens. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on praying God. Don't give up on trusting God. Pray until something happens. Even if you die, even if you don't see it happen, trust God. My parents, my dad is with the Lord now. My mom, she's 86 years old, okay? She got me at 42. I was kind of a surprise for her, okay? Uh, but my parents were prayer warriors, and they persevere in prayer all their life long. And one of the things they pray, they prayed for revival in our city. And all their life, they prayed every Wednesday night, every prayer meeting, they went there and prayed for revival, and they saw almost nothing their whole life. They saw a hand, two handful of people came to Christ. But in the last years in our church, my dad haven't seen here, see that from here. He saw this from heaven, maybe, I don't know. But in the last years, we baptized 800 people in our church. In 2013, we, we launched a first church. Two years later, we were full, so we planted a second one. Two years later, in 2017, we were full again, so we planted a third one. And now we have planted five churches out of this first church. It is incredible. God is at work. But let me tell you, let me tell you, this is not, this is not the south. This is Montreal. This is a hard place. I have a friend that's uh, planning a church in California. And he said, you know, David, planning a church in California is like planning a church in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I agree with him. But I answer him, you know, Mark, planning a church in Montreal is like planning a church in front of the gates of hell. <laughs> but you all know what Jesus said about the gates of hell, right? That they shall not prevail against his church. Jesus is building his church in Montreal, Canada. Jesus is building his church in Plano, Texas, Jesus is building his church in Uganda, Uganda and Africa. He is doing it right now. And let me tell you, what's happening in Montreal, I think, is this. We are reaping the results of my parents' prayer. We are dwarves sitting on these giants of prayer that preceded us. Let me tell you, no prayer is wasted. 
No prayers wasted. Job said, even if he killed me, I will continue to trust him. I don't know how it works. It is right in English, but in French what it says. Even if he kills me, I will continue to trust him. You know, continue to pray. Prayer is never wasted. Prayer is like accumulating interest. And at first, it seems that nothing has happened sometimes. But it's never, never in vain. It is never wasted. Let me tell you, there is absolutely no substitute to prayer. No time off. No workout. No conference, no coaching, counseling, no friendship, no family time, no football. I know it's hard for you Dallas folks to hear that, but no football. There is absolutely no replacement for the life-giving effect of prayer. In fact, the only act of your will, the only act of your will that will not take energy from you, but give energy to you is the act of your will to get closer to God. It's the only one. Every other decisions, every other thing you do will take energy. But when you decide to get closer to the King of Kings and the Lord of God, Lord of Lords, it gives you energy. Things are changing right now in the U.S. You may see what we saw in the 60s. In Quebec, you may be on the verge of something similar here in the next few years. Let me tell you, there's a time coming where cultural Christians will not go through. Their faith will fall apart. And the prophet Malachi talked about this, that in the last days, you will see again the difference between somebody who's serving the Lord and somebody that does not. We need to be connected to our Lord. He is life. He is the life-giving person in the universe. And you need to persevere in prayer, not only to see results, but because you need it now. You need it today. We need that life. If we don't have that, all Christian life can become so boring. It just becomes empty religion without this closeness in prayer with our Lord. So don't give up on prayer. Persevere on prayer. Pray with scriptures. Pray with perseverance. And I'm closing with this. Pray with passion. Pray with passion. James 5. The effective, fervent, the effective, fervent, okay, effective is a, is a this, this word is an American word, right? Effective. Do you want to be effective? Yes, you want. You are, are Americans. That's what you are, effective, right? <laughs> Everything you do is effective. But the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James says, pray with fervor. My French translation says, pray with energy. Okay, let me, let me translate that. Okay, pray like an African guy. <laughs> That's how the verse should be written in, our, in our, those days. Pray like an African. 
Don't pray like an American or Canadian. No, pray like an African, okay? That's what it means. Pray with passion. And um, I, I, grew, I grew up Baptist. Uh, I don't, how many of you grew up Baptist? Somebody? Yeah, most of us, okay? You, you know, you don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven. You know that? But why take a chance, baby? Don't take a chance on this. Come on. No, but I grew up Baptist, and uh, if you do, if you did, you know this. We Baptists can make prayer meetings so boring <laughs> that even the angels don't want to attend the prayer meeting. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, man, not again. Lord, can, can you send us in Africa, please? We, we, we can make prayer meetings so boring because we, we empty prayer of every passion. And when I was 15, I discovered what a praying with passion was. I went to another church prayer meeting. And they were not Baptists, let me tell you, at all. When I entered in, I was shocked. It was a bunch of grandma, okay, like a bunch of grandma, maybe 20, 15, 20 grandma. And when I came in, they were so happy. <laughs> they were like, oh, what's your name? <laughs> I'm David. Oh, David, this is so fantastic that you're here to pray with us today. And, and I became like a, a rock star in that uh, prayer meeting. <laughs> and they began to pray. And honestly, I was, I was shocked. Because I, I didn't think that you could pray like that. They started to pray. Some of them were kneeling. I mean, you're 80 years old. You don't have to. God understands, right? Don't kneel. Just sit. Just sit on a heavy chair like that. Sit on that, you know. <laughs> but I was like, okay, some of, the, some of them were kneeling. Some of them were on the floor crying like babies for the souls of people they don't even know. I was shocked because I couldn't pray like this for the people I know. But they were praying for the soul of people they don't even know. And I discovered with those grandma, at, at first I was like, maybe that's not doctrinally right. I should read a book on that. I don't know what pastor so-and-so will call this. Probably chaos. But here's the thing. God was answering those grandma. Amen. And I discovered with them that day what prayer really is about. I discovered with them that what A.W. Tozer called, you need to pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. Pray until you mean it. Because we all know that we can pray without praying. We all know that. And those grandma helped me to learn this, to pray until you pray. And, and I tried to 
apply that in my life and in my ministry. And, and I remember I was a youth pastor years ago, and, and uh, I had a young, young adult ministry, and uh, we were about 175 young adults. It was big, but I felt stuck, and it was stuck for years. And we, the, the moment we, we get closer to 200, it dropped every time, every time. I remember once we had one, 199 people. And I said to my assistant, could you please lie on the report, please? Please, tell me we were 200. She said, Pastor, we were 199. It was like the ceiling. And I was like, Lord. So I decided to call a three days fast and prayer. And uh, some of my staff were not in favor of that at all. I have a, 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 I have a guy, the worship pastor. He, he said, how long are we going to do this? I said, we're going to do this till something happened. And I remember three and a half days after we began, the way we prayed just changed. Something, something broke in us. We were not praying the same way we did before. And uh, I said, I think it's it. I think we, we, something happened in the spiritual so we get out of this prayer meeting and we enter in the, another room with the whiteboard and begin to strategize. And we strategize. This young adult uh, ministry goes from 175 to plus 600 in three years. But it was born, it was born in the pain of prayer. Pray with passion. Pray till you pray. Now, let me close and wrap all this sermon with this last story. I got an older brother, and uh, he grew up in church like I did. But at 18 years old, he became rebellious, and he uh, left home, uh, began to spending money, uh, having parties, and everything that goes with that. And for many years, he was what we called a, a prodigal son. But my mom never stopped praying for him. Never. My mom has found out in scriptures, she was a new believer in that time, but she found out in scriptures, Proverbs 22, start children of the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So my mom began to pray with scriptures over and over, but nothing seems to happen at all. At one point, my parents were so discouraged because they were without news of my brother for six months. This is before internet. This is before cell phones, okay? When you were looking for somebody, you had no idea. You had no clue. Six months. And uh, one night, my mom was so anxious, she couldn't sleep. So she, she, she woke up my dad and said, hey, guy, woke up. By the way, my, my dad's name is Guy. She don't call my dad Guy like that. But it's just, <laughs> Guy, wake up, wake up. We need to pray for our son. Where is he? Is he dead? We don't know what's happening with him. So my, my dad woke up and he said, you're right. What's happening? And so they kneel down beside the bed. They hook hands and begin to pray. Oh, Lord. Have mercy on our son. Oh, Lord, we ask you again, do a miracle. Lord, give us a sign. Is he, is he dead? 
We don't even know. Please, Lord, do something. And they prayed for about 20 minutes. And after that, the peace of the Lord came in the room, and they go back to bed. It was about 3 in the morning, 3 3 a.m. And after they went to bed, 10 minutes later, the phone rang. You know who it was? The police. It was the police. Mr. Potier, yeah. Uh, Do you have a son called so and so? Yeah. My dad said, what he did. And the, 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 the officer said, no, no, sir, don't worry. We're just checking with you if the car is his. Because we thought he was pretty young to have a big car like that. My dad said, yeah, yeah, it is his car. It's not a stolen car. So the officer said, oh, I'm so sorry, sir, that I woke you up. And my dad answered, he said, officer, thank you so much. We were not sleeping at all. And my dad said, because he, was, he wasn't in the, in the car, police had phones in those days, and um, he, he, he said he was hearing my brother. So he said, can you tell our son to come visit us? So he heard my brother said, yeah, dad, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But you know what? He didn't come for months and months and months. Three months later, the, wrong, the, the phone rang again. It was him. He said, mom, I'm in town. Can I come visit you, she said. Son, this is your home. You can come anytime, of course. Come visit us. And when my brother came, you know, my my dad is pretty, uh, uh, you know, short temper, really intense guy. And uh, he fought with my brother a lot. And my dad, that day, had the great, fantastic idea. It was fleshly, but he has this idea. I'm going to read you, son. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 about the son who shamed his mother. So he read the whole three chapters. At the end, my brother looked at him and said, are you done? My dad said, yes. Now I give you all your responsibility. So my brother got mad. He just said, I'm leaving. My mother began to cry again. So he went outside. He jumped in his car to leave. But that day, that day, it was freaking cold in Montreal, okay? You don't, you, you don't know what cold is. You have no idea. It was minus a thousand degrees that day. So my brother tried to start his car, but the car didn't want to start at all. So it was like, After one minute, it was like, (laughs) so he got mad, got out of the car, went back in the house, and he said, I need to call the garage. My battery's dead. But this time, my dad that was full of flesh five minutes before became full of the Spirit. This is just the grace of God. How, How amazing we can be full of flesh but full of the Spirit five minutes later because it is the grace of God. Because Jesus opened this access for us that even if we have sin, even if we're full of sin and we go to the Lord, we can be full of the Spirit like that. So my dad, full of the Spirit, said, no, you're not going to start your car. You're not going to call the garage. You're going to go outside and you're going to start your car again. But this time, your car will start, and it's going to be a sign from God to you that you are still a child of God, and that you need to come back to the Lord, and that you need to come back home. 
go start your car. But my brother didn't think it was a good idea. So he said, no. But my dad, he's six foot two, 250 with a loud voice. You know, my dad can outsing all of you together at the same time. So he said, you're going to go start your car. <laughs> and my brother said, all right, all right, all right, all right. So he went outside in this crazy cold. And my dad followed him. My dad followed him. He jumped in the car. But before he, he turned the key, he looked at my dad. My dad was in front of the car. And he looked at my dad and he did this. You know what this means? Same in French, English, Spanish. Okay, it means crazy old man. It's not going to work. So my brother just turned the key. But this time, the car didn't start. The car starts so strong, it almost exploded. It was like... <gasps> and my brother was like this. And my dad was like this. This story would be great if he just fall on his knees, repent. He didn't. He left again. But a couple months later, we had another call. Mom, it's me. Um, I want you to know that I have made some Christian friends. I'm now part of a church. I'm going to get married soon. I will be baptized, and I would want you to come to my wedding with you. He said, Mom, I'm back to the Lord. Mom, I'm back home. This is, this is impossible prayer. Pray with scriptures. Pray with perseverance. Pray with passion. Pray until something happens. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what this mountain is before you. But let me tell you, there's no mountain big enough for our God. But don't stop praying. Don't lose, don't lose faith. Don't give up. It's possible to you, for you to pick up your prayer life back and to say, Lord, I will trust you. Until something happened, I will pray. And I want you to pray this morning, okay? I want you to pray with that passion and that perseverance. I know that many of you have something that you gave up on. Have something that you, you just don't. You're not bold anymore to pray for it. Some of you, you're even kind of, when people ask, how can I pray for you? You don't say the thing you would want to say because you don't want to bother people on that anymore. But let me tell you, if your son or daughters are far away from the Lord, it doesn't matter if people are tired to hear about it. God is not tired. What's it's on your heart is the thing you need to continue to pray for. 
and trust the Lord. So this is what we're going to do this morning. I want to, you to respond to this message by praying. And we're going to step up. I'm going to ask you in a couple seconds, just all of you, all of you who say, I am a follower of Jesus, we will come forward here and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for that thing. We're going to pray for that mountain. For some of you, that mountain have a name. It's a daughter. It's a son. It's a husband. It's a wife. It's a brother, sister, neighbor, friend. Some of you, that mountain have a name. But we're going to pray together because we believe that God still answer prayers. Are you with me? Are you with me? So can we just right now step up where you are and come. Everybody comes here. We're going to pray together. Come. Come. Come forward. I, I know some of you are saved. If you're not saved, you're going to be saved in the process of coming. We're going to do a double. All right? All right. Come on. Come on. Everybody. Come, for, come close, please, so that everybody could come. I, I, I don't want you to step to stay in your rows, I want you to make a physical response to a spiritual message so that you move with your body and it helps you capture a spiritual truth. You move with your body and it helps you to move your spirit also forward, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Come on, if you're on the back, there's room for you. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We got to, can we raise our hands toward God? like small children. Lord, you see our hands. Lord, you know what we're tired of praying for. Lord, forgive us that we gave up on prayer sometimes. But we don't realize that when we gave up on prayer, we gave up on you. And we don't want to give up on you because we believe that you are still doing miracles today. We still believe that you answer prayer today, Lord. So as our hands are lifted to you, here's what I pray. That every heart here, every mountain represented here, we will pray for that. And we will believe you that you're going to work on this. We will not stop praying. So now let me pray for you. And at the end, you will pray. So Lord, I pray for my friends right now. I pray that they will be revived in their prayer life. So that they will pray with scriptures. So that they will pray with perseverance. So that they will pray with passion. Please, Lord, revive us. We don't want the boring Christian life. We want the real Christian life where you are present and where we trust you and where we take you at your word. So, Lord, right now, I pray for my friends here. I pray for myself. Revive us by your spirit. Let, let the fire of prayer burn inside of us again. I pray for the prayer warriors that are tired in this place. Those who prayed and prayed and now you just gave up on it because you say, I'm alone in that. Let me tell you, you are not alone in that fight. Pick up your prayer life again and begin to pray again and God will 
move in a mighty way. Hallelujah. So now let me ask you something. You're going to pray. You're going to pray for that mountain. You're going to pray for that person. Maybe it has a name. Maybe it, it's something else. But we will do like Acts chapter 4. They raise their voices all together at the same time. We're going to do this, okay? And don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Let, let's hear. Let's make the Lord hear your prayer out loud. So I'm going to count at three. And at three, you're going to pray out loud for this thing. You're going to pray out loud for that mountain. You're going to pray out loud for that financial problem, for that business problem, for that broken marriage. You're going to pray out loud. And we're going to trust God to do something big at three. One, two, three. Come on, pray out loud. Lord Jesus, I pray for my kids. I pray for my kids, Lord. I pray that they will walk to you. I pray that every heart that is hardened right now will be softened by the Spirit of God. I pray that you will put people in their lives so that they will point them to you, Lord. Come on, come on, pray out loud for 10 seconds, for a minute, come on. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I pray for my son. I pray for my daughter. I pray for my wife, Lord. I pray that you will heal her body, that you will heal her from the, her depression, Lord. I trust you, my Lord. We believe in you, Lord. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that this day will be a new day. I pray, Lord, that you will begin to bring passion and love and, and perseverance in this church. I pray that you will call people out there to hear, to hear your word and to be discipled here. Lord, I pray for callings that are birthing this morning callings to the ministry callings for business calling for other things lord you are there this morning and we turn ourselves back to you and we say we trust you we need you and we will pray until we pray we say to the enemy get me my prayer life back in jesus name and all the church and all the church say a big, big amen. And can we clap for Jesus this morning in the house of the Lord? Come on.